Are you hiring? With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology will efficiently match you to the right people better than anyone else in the industry. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all size to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results and do it today. First Cut listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash First Cut. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash First Cut. One more time, try it for free for your business today. ZipRecruiter.com slash First Cut. Back here on the First Cut podcast with Kyle Porter. It was a great, great weekend for some of the favorites on here on the First Cut podcast. Uh, it was a weekend where, you know, Kyle, uh, you always do your your strength of field rating. You know, we weren't going into uh, this weekend thinking that there was going to be the Quicken Loans National was going to provide a lot of thrills, but it gave us a playoff and it was just one small sliver in what ended up being a pretty awesome golf weekend in general. Like on what what part of you thought that Sunday afternoon you were going to run out of screens? Oh, I was out of screens. I was firing up different computers and TVs. It was it was awesome, Chip. It was it was so much fun to you know, I, I wrote this on Monday, but just to kind of step outside of this PGA Tour induced bubble that we sometimes create and watch the French Open and the Women's PGA and the U.S. Senior Open, all these tournaments with all these really fun, different, exciting storylines. It, it was, and it was an all day thing. You know, the French Open gets rolling at, at uh, I don't know what it was, not 8 a.m. I woke up and the French Open was on. So 7 a.m. or whatever it was, Central Time. And uh, then you go all the way through the playoff on the, at the Quicken Loans National. I thought it was tremendous. I, I did want to ask you because I, I find myself, as you're watching all these tournaments and you're following these storylines, I, I find myself rooting for for certain people. You know, you mentioned some of our favorites on the First Cut podcast, but it, you you just naturally like some people, some athletes more than others. And I, I'm sorry if people are offended by that, but what's your take on just generally gravitating towards uh, various athletes in different sports? I think it happens in sports where you don't wear a helmet. And, yeah. maybe, and maybe even not a hat, but I, I see it happen uh, in the NBA where, uh, especially now in today's NBA, where it, you can see, like, like I've, been, I've been traveling before. I was, in, uh, like, I was in a bar in Paris talking to the bartender who didn't love the Thunder, but loves Russell Westbrook. Watches yeah. every single Thunder game and every moment that Westbrook has the ball in his hands, like that's something that he was locked into. And I was like, man, that's like the the sports where you don't have a helmet over your face. And you know, like for golf, like we get that same kind of in your face, see all of the emotion. Um, I I think you are you are only going to naturally gravitate because even if it's something that where for the golfers, professional golf, where they might have, you know, curated their image, you know, they might have aligned mm-hmm. themselves up with certain brands or sponsors, which can also impact the way you feel about them. But in, in general, like you're going to look at, uh, you know, 70 golfers or maybe the 30 ones that are kind of in the hunt on the afternoon on the weekends, and you're going to feel some sort of tie uh, based on either uh, a connection to the way they're carrying themselves, the way they're reacting, the way they're playing. Like, 
if they don't have the helmet on and you see a human being doing something that you like, you're going to end up picking favorites. Yeah, there's just this seemingly like old school journalistic mentality of, you know, we don't root for people. And it just seems so like uh, disconnected to the to the common fan who does root for people. And and so I, I, I just. I, I don't know. Like I, I, I go into it certainly biased, and and that doesn't mean I'm gonna like. I, I try not to let it affect the way that I write too much. But when people that I like and ha- have enjoyed watching or talking to or whatever win, it results in probably better writing. Like I, I'm, Ooh. it just it just does. You know, like I, I mean, it, and and that's you know I, I think old school people would say like you get the right or the wrong winner or whatever, but I don't know. I just, I I think that it, I think that fans and and people who are reading this stuff, like they identify with the fact that, that we are human beings and that we naturally root for other human beings. And and so I don't know, I I think that makes it uh, maybe a little bit more fun and, and certainly uh, entertaining, especially in weekends like the one we just got where a lot of our favorites are, are uh, at the top of leaderboards. Kyle F. Stanley is the perfect transition here. <laughs> where like, I mean, and I could listen. I it, Kyle Stanley, uh, ACC guy, Clemson guy, superstar in college. Um, you know, has really struggled uh, in parts of his game, and mm-hmm. boy, we like to see someone be able to get their swag back right like when stella gets her groove back everybody's happy (laughs) kyle stanley first win in five years uh coming on sunday in a playoff against charles howell the third who speaking of favorites wasn't our pitch on the show last week like whose career would you rather have where the wins aren't necessarily there but he's just been one of like the 25 best uh in his profession for or one of the 50 best in his profession for a streak of like 16 or 17 years. Uh, two easy to root for players coming down the stretch in the Quicken Loans National. They both fired 67 66. And to your point, by the way, I do think that part of uh, writing about sports in 2017. Uh, and it's been this way for about a decade. I think the shift and maybe blogs like fan blogs and fan sites have uh, helped this shift. But I think the average reader enjoys to uh, enjoys to know that the the person who is writing has complex emotions and human feelings. But I could tell, man, I was reading your grades and I was like, oh, Kyle was real happy that Kyle Stanley got this one done. This was a big moment for him. Yeah, it, it was it was cool, and and I think that you know as much as I wanted, I mean the the playoff was tough because I was talking to Chris Solomon of of knowing up about this. We were kind of there was a there was a group text about it, and he he was so conflicted because those are two of his favorites also, and he was on the the KFS train. He started the KFS train, you know, four years ago before knowing up even started, and um it was a very conflicting playoff because like you said, Stanley's been in the, in the desert, you know, he, he played, I think it was 2015. Uh, he played part, you know, he was on the web.com for, for a lot of the season, like just not, he just wasn't, wasn't on the PGA tour for a lot of it. He kept his card. And, and now this year he's been, he's been lights out. He's, he's just so his short game is just, his putting is, is so bad, you know, tra- <laughs> traditionally. And, and yeah. I don't, I mean, 
I, I don't mean that disparagingly. Like he, he's obviously a good enough ball striker to win multiple PGA Tour events, which is, which is remarkable in and of itself. He was negative strokes gained putting at, at the Quicken Loans. Um, but but he's so he's such a good ball striker, and and you could see the emotion of him. It, it, the, 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 pro- professional golf is is very. Um, it's not what you see with the Jordan Spieths and the Rory McIlroys. It's much more of the wandering, meandering, might win two or three events in your career, might contend for a major that you see with somebody like Charles Howell and Kyle Stanley. And so when those guys win a tournament like that, it, it makes it, um, I don't know, it, it, it's definitely a, a, a crystallizing moment for them, but also for us of, of remembering that these dudes lead fairly um, – I don't want to say normal wise, but they're, they're, they're humans and they, they feel things and they struggle with doubt. And, and, you know, Stanley talked about that and, and same thing for how, so it's, you just find yourself so conflicted during the playoff of like who, who you would like to win the tournament. What do you, uh, right, so they both went, uh, again, it's incredible to think that you're not putting well and you're still out there firing 66 on Sunday. It's silly. Um, it's, yeah, it's a joke. There was a lower score by one of the few big names in the tournament, one that we were kept an eye on. Uh, we talked a lot about going into the week just because it was Ricky Fowler's first time back out there after a disappointing Sunday finish in the U.S. Open. He finished T5 there. So since winning the Honda Classic, there have been four top five finishes. He was T3 at the Shell Houston Open, T2 at the Memorial, T5 the U.S. Open, and then T3 at the Quicken's Loans National. Since the Honda Classic, overall, what, where do you think this stacks up to those other performances in terms of Fowler? Like, were you walking away from Fowler's total tournament performance more confident about him as we, again, start to turn our attention across the pond to Royal Burkdale? Yeah, I, I think so. His Sunday could have been could have been real special because he made nine birdies doubled the easiest hole that the the average score on the hole that he doubled i think it was 14 i believe drivable par four the average score was like three and a half like he everybody's making birdie on that hole and so he could have he could have shot a 62 you know and (laughs) and ended up winning the tournament in regulation by one stroke but my thing with Fowler is this this feels like the season i i don't know if this is true and and we probably won't know for 10 or 15 years this feels like the season where he elevates his game to that um, kind of Spethian, McElroyan level to where if he doesn't finish in the top 10 at, 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 in a given week, you're like, wait a second, what what happened to Fowler this week? You know, and and, and that's going to look different some weeks. It's going to look like it did at the U.S. Open where he's in contention th- throughout the week. Other weeks, it's going to look like it did at the Quicken Loans National where he sh- fires a 65 on Sunday to move, you know, 25, 30 spots up the leaderboard. So for me, this season has been all about Fowler kind of elevating his consistency to every time he plays. It's almost like, I don't want to say a lock for, for a top 10, but he should be in the top 10. And, and people might say, well, he, sh- that should have been the case all along. Well, that's a really difficult thing to <laughs> do, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. And, I, and I feel like, I feel like Fowler is, is starting uh, t- to do that, and and I don't know how long he keeps his game at that level, but he's certainly right there right now. And it, and if he's not one of your top three or, or four for for Bergdale, then 
I don't know. Maybe you haven't been watching enough golf because he's got to be one of the favorites going in. Seven top tens and 14 events this season. There you um, go. I mean, he's just, uh, let's see, ninth in strokes gained approach, fifth in strokes gained putting, second in strokes gained total, top 10, world, number six on the FedEx list. I was, uh, I, it felt to me because the expectations were low. I was like, that is, uh, for me, one of the most encouraging rounds, one of the most encouraging total performances since winning the Honda Classic for this season. Just because I was so, the bar for going into Sunday, like Sunday morning, I was just so hyped that I, my heart was broken. I mean, we talk about being like a fan and, and having those human, uh, those human instincts as people who are still covering this. Like we're sitting here on the CBS Sports Live blog, like, like I'm calling my shot thinking that Ricky Fowler is going to get, be able to go out there and win this. But like, there is a small sliver of me that appreciates Ricky Fowler, the player appreciates Ricky Fowler, the person, and would love to see him after playing so well to that point with, uh, with the exception of the 73, but like he, he was in a spot to win. I was rooting for it. And then the human part of me was like, Oh man, this stinks, this stinks. And then he goes out and, uh, and he has that, pretty awesome round yeah it was number 14 by the way yeah so you just just par that hole man par, yeah par that hole and it's a 63 yeah None. birdie and it's a 62 Spe- and yeah i mean it, it's just it's so impressive what he's able to do on what turned out to be a really pretty difficult uh course you know a, a difficult week where uh on the weekend it, it wasn't um I don't know. It, it, when the winning score is seven under par, I, I know it was a par seventy, and we can, <laughs> if this, you know, if this would have been a, a U.S. Open, people would have been fine with the <laughs> uh, with the winning total, even though it was pretty much exactly the same. I think Brooks Kepka shot what was it uh, two seventy two, and the winner this week was at uh, two seventy three. So. Nobody freaking out about the uh, Quicken Loans National being too easy, you know. Where, yeah, where are all the haters? Where <laughs> are they all? Hey, speaking uh, of sixty-three, what happened to Justin Thomas? Uh, not good, you know. And I, I, I wrote this in my grades, but this this, this is going to be who he is, I, I think. And I, that's not a bad thing. I, I think that he's going to nearly win a major and then miss three straight cuts, and then he's going to win two tournaments, and then he's going to miss four cuts. It's like he's just he's so all or nothing. And that's a mentality that um, this this kind of era of golfers has more so than in the past. I think in the past you were uh, revered if you just grinded to make cuts, you know, tiger streak of whatever it was, 141 in a row. I think that that'll never be broken ever. Um, and it, it, it's just the, the players of this generation, they don't they don't care about making cuts it's not and and part of that is because the money's so much bigger like they don't they don't need a t33 finish uh to to to, you know to help them get to the next tournament no they're they're getting mortgage checks by making cuts yeah yeah exactly and so um you're just gonna see this feast or famine sort of and especially early in careers I, i think that's the other thing justin thomas hasn't even played 100 events yet and so you're, you're going to see a lot of feast or famine from guys like him where, yeah, they might finish T2 in a big-time tournament, but then they might miss three straight cuts, and that's okay. Like, I, I don't think people should get 
super worked up about it. He he won twice in Hawaii, comes across, comes back to the to the continental U.S. and and misses the cut at the Phoenix Open. So. I think that's just sort of uh, a little bit who he is. Mm, I hear you. Well, question for the First Cut listeners. Are you hiring right now? Because if so, you might need to know where to post your job in order to find the best candidates. And with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike those other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. No, it goes out and it finds them. With over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter, getting a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. So you're not worrying about juggling emails or calls to the office. You can simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all size to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free 99. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. One more time to try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. Post those jobs. Get candidates be a winner, just like Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Tom- Fleetwood, our guy. Our guy. Maybe, maybe we should not ever have a guest on again and just make, just leave him as the only guest to ever appear on. If he wins the Open, then we're, we're never going to try to even have a guest on again. Or better, even better, the only – every other guest has to be Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> Like, like we, we, we get Tommy Fleetwood back. Like we Skype him up and we get to talk about uh Royal Burkdale. And then like, even if, even if someone offers us like Rory, we're like, we'll only take Rory if Tommy can sit in on it too. <laughs> he just replaces one of us. Yeah. He's, he's, he's like a host. Yes. I mean, listen, I think if, if I, right, if he wins, then we got to reach out to his people because he's, he is, uh, He's he's flourishing right now. I mean, he's in all honesty, he really is playing tremendous golf. And this goes back to what was it, Abu Dhabi? Yeah, yeah. So best, it was best the best golf of his career. He's number fifteen in the world right now. And you know, this got mentioned on Twitter on on Sunday a little bit. Um, I think Adam Sarson mentioned it, but I think there's this sort of feeling that he's going to be like the Alex Norris of this year to where you get to the end of the year and he's ranked like sixth in the world and you're like wait a second like is this guy that good so i guess my question for you is do do you get the sense that this is just that um kind of that european tour bump of like world rankings points that might not i mean it it, it's that's a like a statistical fact is that you get like there's a there's a um you get more world rankings points than you should on some of the European and Asian tour events compared to how good the fields are ooh, on the PGA ooh, tour. Ooh, ooh. So, so, Got it. So, so for my college sports fans out there, that's like Mike Krzyzewski or Nick Saban starts recruiting you. You go from a three star to a four star. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And right. so I'm curious if you feel like he's going to be that next like Norin type guy where you get to the end of the year and you're like, is this guy that good? Or did he just get a bunch of European tour points i don't think of that and it's because of an anecdote that you gave um from i think it was the u.s open where Mm -hmm. he was like 
in the post uh, post round press conference, just like, oh no, I'm I'm about to get on a plane and and go back and, and start playing golf like tomorrow. We got we got more yeah. stuff to do, and I think that if you're playing well and super involved and and locked in i just i kind of i like that i can i can get along with those vibes like that is something you know regardless of whether or not he was a a guest here on the first cut podcast like (laughs) i i dig the no i'm just i'm i'm playing really good golf right now i'm enjoying playing really good golf and i don't care if i've got to stack my schedule up um you know to the point where i'm jet setting all over the world if it's given me the opportunity to play professional golf at a high level i'm in and that kind of i don't know it doesn't he have like a little bit of like a positivity about him just as general i mean you've obviously spoken to him but through interviews that i see on television i i I like the way he carries himself i think this guy is set up for success yeah there's certainly a a a kind of boy-like joy to him while he plays and i wrote about that a little bit on Sunday but it's it's sort of intoxicating to watch like he looks like the way that we feel like all players should act and that's that it's absurd that I'm getting paid millions of dollars and people are coming to watch me play golf which is what everyone in the world wants to do with their free time and (laughs) now tournament golf it's it's way different like it's very stressful and it's hard and it's difficult but at the end of the day, like you're still getting millions of dollars to play uh, in some cases to play a sport that's really fun and that people like to to spend their their free time, their leisure time doing. And I, I just I love that he sort of exudes that. He's got the the great head of hair, the uh, he's got a sweet swing. He just I don't know, he just kind of bounds around the course. he He talks about how he's got all of his his best best mates you know are like on his team like his caddy and his and his trainer and all this different stuff and uh he is uh he's a joy to watch and 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 i think he is he's kind of low-key winning some big tournaments too like we we think about abu dhabi and that's a that's a sick field he beat dustin johnson by one stroke there right and i can't remember who else was in that field this year but fowler won it the year before um, I don't. I think Spieth might have been in the field this year, but French Open was was no joke either. With with John Rahm and Thomas Peters and Peter Uline, who finished second, has been having a really good year. Uh, he'll be playing in the Irish Open this week. I, I don't know if he's gonna. Uh, he, Tommy Fleetwood might play like a hundred tournaments this year. I don't know, but um, man, he is uh, he's a really good player, and the the storyline of him winning at Barkdale in his hometown of Southport in England is a little too easy. I think it's becoming like, I wish he was flying a little bit more under the radar, but um, I, it's hard for me to, to see him not being one of the favorites going in. I I mean, it was already started the U S open, right? Cause at the U S open, he told yeah. this story about how he used to sneak onto the course and play holes like right before they closed down. I mean, that's right. Like that's, that is the hometown. No one loves hometown boy, you know, more than like golf. Come on, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, how much? All right. So the, you mentioned the French Open field, John Rahm, Alex Noren, Danny Willett, Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, Thomas Peters, who's been playing really, really well recently. Uh, what were some of the other takeaways uh, from French Open competition from your vantage point? Well, I think number one, you, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm like uh, half covering the, uh, the PGA tour and, and golf all over the world. And then half of me is like focused on the next Ryder cup. Right. Um, and so 
for me, one of the takeaways is just how awesome that place is going to be for the Ryder Cup next year. I mean, it's not. Um, it's just going to be, it's going to be really, really cool. It's going to be sort of, you know, I, I'm all about courses at Ryder cups where you can score a lot. Like I don't need, um, I don't need Marion hosting a, uh, a Ryder cup with like f- three feet of rough. Like that would not be fun because right. guys are making bogeys to win holes. That's not exciting for a Ryder cup. That's fine for us open. But I, I, I think the, I, I don't, Le Golf National, I believe, is the is the course in Paris. It's a that's a uh, the French would probably not be pleased with the way that I pronounce that, but um, it, it's sort of the European version of a Hazeltine to where there is rough and it's it's certainly a little bit longer than than it was a Hazeltine, but you can recover. I saw guys hit shots out of there. Peter Uline hit you know you get a you get a de- halfway decent lie in that rough and you can recover pretty easily and make birdie. But that finishing stretch there. And especially 18, which is just, it's crazy. It's a, it's a really tough, fun hole. Like it, I think it's going to provide for some, uh, they, they might flip the nines. I don't, I don't know how they're going to set it up for the Ryder cup, but I, I think it's going to provide for some awesome drama come 2018 in Paris. Six players, uh, from Europe's most recent Ryder cup team were in the field here. What's, uh, where, if, as you're starting to, to look ahead to, uh, to Ryder cup, you know, we sit here more than, a year and a couple months out um where if you were setting the odds is the european team the favorite right now uh i think so i mean this thing is gonna this is gonna be like clash of the titans chip it's right? gonna be freaking unbelievable because what and we talked about this last week with the president's cup but what we see and and again, like this might take ten years to kind of parse out, but it it feels like there's this sort of changing of the guard a little bit to where your European uh, kind of lions, as they as they like to be called, of of Lee Westwood and um, you know some some of the older guys there. Graham, Mc, dude, Graham McDowell is starting to get you know pushed a little bit to the side, right? Yeah, guys like that who have played huge roles in in past Ryder Cups, and then on the American side, the the Mac. Kuchers and the Brant Senecas, those guys are they're gonna have to fight for their spots a little more than they than they usually would because of the Thomas Peters and the Tommy Fleetwoods and the Alex Norens and the on the American side, the Daniel Burgers, uh, the Brooks Kepkes, guys like that. So I think it's gonna be just lights out golf. Like I, I think these teams are gonna be completely loaded. You're gonna get an awesome course in Paris. I will I, let's play the Ryder Cup this summer. Let's get a let's get like a <laughs> Like a preview, like let's play. You know, just take seven guys out there, and and uh, after the PGA wraps up, just go over and and do a little Ryder Cup remix before next year's main event. I'm fired up for it already. Monday after Quail Hollow, you, me, and 28 <laughs> of the world's best golfers are just gonna hang out in Charlotte, and uh, we'll go. We'll, I'm sure that Quail Hollow will have something else, and uh, Rory's got too much of an advantage there, so maybe we'll. Uh, Maybe we'll go play at Myers Park Country Club or Carmel or something like that. We can, I mean, we can mix this, it up. The, the European team is going to be a joke. I mean, between <laughs> Rory and and Peters, obviously from last time, they were ridiculous. And then Rom, uh, we haven't we haven't talked, we haven't even mentioned him. He's going to be on it probably. Fleetwood, Norin. P- I mean, it, it, Fitzpatrick might be. On, it's going to be this thing's going to be lit, Chip. Yeah, it's going to be a lituation, an absolute <laughs> lituation. Uh, oh, all right. I want to give Danielle Kang some love. Um, yes. It was so second major 
because there was also uh boy man does it are you want to talk about having fun playing golf does anybody have more fun playing golf than kenny perry <laughs> no no okay. nobody nobody all right but danielle kang this was a huge breakthrough moment for her educate me what did you see uh from the lpga in uh, in their major championship on sunday yeah you know she i, I was really impressed down the stretch with how steady she was um and, and not just because it was a major but but mostly because she hasn't won on the lpga tour before now She's a very accomplished amateur. She won two USAMs. Uh, she played college golf at Pepperdine. She, she's obviously a great player, um, but she was she was pretty rock solid over the over the final nine holes at at Olympia Field. She bogeyed the seventeenth, uh, hit kind of a poor bunker shot. But then, let me tell you, Chip, that the three woods she hit into eighteen. I know it's not a long par five, but she murdered the thing and hits it to about twenty feet leaves herself a two footer for the win. And she said afterwards that she, she's never been more nervous over a two foot putt. And she said that she basically had to tell herself like, you don't miss two foot putts, you know? And so she knocked it in and, and gets her first, uh, win and major championship in the, in the process. But I thought it was a cool story. She's clearly a player favorite. You know, you get these, these, uh, pros who are, um, beloved by fans but then you also get the ones who are beloved by their peers and, and so on the pga tour side that's guys like uh, steve stricker i think is probably one of them maybe maybe like a um i, I don't know everybody uh, fowler is kind of a crossover because players and fans both love him but kang is somebody who might not be known by a lot of fans like a we or a lydia co but she's beloved by players uh clearly from how much they were, you know, tweeting about it, we is there waiting for her after the round to to give her a hug. So, I thought it was a really cool uh, moment uh, for her, obviously. But uh, you know, the the kind of backstory there is her dad, who caddied for her at two at the two U.S. AMs that she won, ha- had passed away a few years ago from cancer, and uh, so her mom was there. It's just I don't know. It, it was a really emotional, cool event, and for her to beat uh, Brooke. Anderson like she did was uh, it's pretty awesome what's the what is the breakthrough in your mind for uh star power in on the LPGA tour where on the PGA tour um you know it seems like right now we are in an era where it's kind of your everyone wants to put together like a big three or maybe a big two if you just want to go DJ and Rory or then you start filling it out to five when and it seems like uh, it's a much more fluid uh, definition of superstardom. What is that like right now on the LPGA tour? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I think that um, maybe even more so than the PGA tour, superstardom is defined by by personalities, and so I think you get um, it, when you, when you get people when you get players on the LPGA that are easy to market, like a like a Daniel Kang, um, like a, a Lexi Thompson then all of a sudden it doesn't even it's like a bunch of Ricky Fowler's running around right like it doesn't necessarily matter how much you've won you're gonna have Um, a big crowd waiting for autographs at the driving range regardless of what your finish was last week yeah yeah and so you've you've got players who have won three four five majors that just people don't know or care about as much as they do Lexi Thompson who's won uh I think one major and so I don't know. It's it's certainly um, I I don't 
I don't know if this is true, but it feels like it's not defined as much by winning as it is by personalities. And frankly, in a sport where you see a lot of Asian influx, if you get an American who's even halfway decent, which Lexi Thompson's a really good player, but she's not as accomplished as a lot of the Asian players, then it's just, it's marketable, you know, it, re- it really is. And so you, you get, um, especially when the LPGA is mostly played in the United States, you get situations where Lexi Thompson or, or, you know, so even somebody like a Kang is more popular than some of the Asian players who are far more accomplished. Life goals of Kenny Perry are Kenny Perry, right? Oh yeah. I mean, just because what was what was Kenny Perry's? Because um, this is his fourth Champions Tour major, second U.S. Senior Open. What was the highlight of his uh, pre-Champions Tour career? Uh, well, I don't know if it's the highlight, but his kind of most famous moment is uh, he that he should have won the 2000 was it 12 Masters, uh, 2009 Masters. He finished T two, and I think he went. Uh, bogey bogey uh, on the last two holes 17 oh, and 18 dag um 2009 who who won it in 2009 seven was zach johnson eight was trevor immelman 2009 was do we remember 2009 was cabrera yes on hell cabrera mm-hmm. so uh i've got it pulled up right here kenny perry they both started the day at 11 under. Uh, Kenny Perry gets to 14 under with two holes left. And the closest guy is Kenny Perry, or excuse me, is uh, Angel Cabrera and Chad Campbell. Um, and, then, and then Perry goes bogey, bogey. And those two guys both go par, par. And Cabrera wins uh, the eventual playoff. So Kenny, so Kenny Perry has 14 wins, earnings of over $32 million on the PGA Tour, playoff losses in the 96 PGA Championship and 2009 Masters, but no major championships. Yeah, but, that, that, the, the one in 2009 was, was painful, though, because to go bogey-bogey at 17 and 18, not that those are easy holes at Augusta, but you make one par and, and you're playing the Masters for the rest of your life. And, and that was at age, he was probably He's 57 now, I think. So that was, uh, what, 49? He would have been the oldest major winner ever. I mean, that that was, at the time, that was a, that was a huge deal. Um, I know. My dad, so was, yeah, that, my dad was rooting hard for him. I feel like there were a lot, of, uh, a lot of dads that were just like, if he can, I can go Kenny Perry. <laughs> By the way, Tiger finished uh, four strokes out of the playoff that year. He was, uh, he was 10 under with two to go and also went bogey, bogey. So, mm. Mm. yeah. Fun weekend of golf that we did not expect. Um, we always expect a fun weekend of golf, but we don't always get it. Uh, but we certainly did all across the Champions Tour, the LPGA, the European Tour with the French Open, and the Quicken Loans National, where Kyle F. Stanley made it through, made it back to the back to the peak. Kyle, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate your time breaking all this down. We will link back up. Uh, tomorrow so that we yep. can preview the weekend. So uh, Yeah, we got uh, Greenbrier. We got uh, Irish Open. Rory's event. The, yeah, the Rory McIlroy Foundation. Mm. Um, good field. Hideki, Fleetwood, John Rahm. Should be fun. We'll have our picks uh, coming up next. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Chip. Talk to you later.